Hey, ladies, how are you doing this morning? You good? You know, if I can just have the worship team just remain. Let's thank the worship team. You guys are amazing. Oh, sorry, I didn't realize that there was... Can I use that? Sorry, just don't mind us. We're just working things out. But in the meantime, yep, well, I'll take it up there in a second. But I'd like you to um, keep worshiping. Sorry. Yeah, you do. We're just going with it, okay? But, um, you know, I really sense that there is more than a name change happening here in this place. It's actually an identity shift. And it's always personal. It always begins with you and I. But it's so much bigger than that. The identity shift is for families represented here. It's very specifically and powerfully for this community, for this region of Logan, that maybe the name won't change, but certainly the identity of this region and what people think about this region and how the people living here believe what they believe about themselves and the names they respond to about themselves is going to change because what God, of what God is doing. And I just really sense that there is this incredible sincere heart to worship God. There is an incredible anointing for worship on this house and worship team, thank you. Your voices really touch heaven. You are a nightingale. My gosh, amazing. Come on, let's just thank them. This isn't, you don't just stand up here and do this. This is more than just a gift. These are hearts that have been yielded and surrendered to God and there's an anointing on the voices and the music of this team that actually empowers us to step into a closer relationship with God. They're fighting battles in the heavenly places that enable us to enter into God's presence. And I really want to honor you for that. And what's your name? Talitha. You're beautiful, Talitha. Last night, I couldn't take my eyes off you. And I was just listening, inclining my ear to hear your voice. Your voice is divine. You have more than just a heavenly gift. God has anointed your voice. There is breakthrough on your voice. When you sing, light enters, the darkness leaves, oppressive spirits, demonic strongholds, they have no choice but to surrender themselves to the name of Jesus Christ. Your worship is warfare. Your worship is victory. Your worship overcomes strongholds. Your worship brings salvation. Your worship delivers healing. Not only are you going to pen the most incredibly powerful lyrics that are an expression of your heart toward God, God is also going to give you the melodies that are going to engage hearts and spirits and connect them to those words and in turn connect them to Jesus. But I want us again to sing that song, the chorus of that song we've been singing. Um, But... Is it Talitha? I would like you to lead that where it says, um, and I think is the chorus is there's no brokenness here or something like that. Nothing here is, we want nothing here is broken. Nothing here is missing. And ladies, this is not a question. There's not a question mark in any of these words. It's not geez, really, is nothing missing? I don't know. Let me consider that. God, is it really possible that nothing could be broken? This is not a question. This is actually a statement. This is a confident assertion and a declaration that nothing is missing. Nothing here is broken in my life, in my family, in Logan. Nothing is missing. Nothing is broken. God is here. His strength is made perfect in every weakness. Nothing's missing. Nothing's broken. So right now, I just want us to stand to our feet. And we're going to shift out of ourselves. We're going to shift out of our problems. And we're going to sing this with just a different mindset, with a spirit of faith. And we are going to declare this profound prophetic declaration over our lives and over this region. That God is here. Nothing's missing. Nothing's broken. So Talitha, you lead us. Why don't you lift your hands to heaven? 
Come on, ladies, let's sing this like we truly believe it. And the presence of God is here. yourself to see what healing looks like. Jesus, we declare it. God, we thank you that it is finished. Lord, there are no question marks in your promises, and we are taking hold of them this morning. Lord, nothing here is broken. It's made perfect in you, Jesus. Every weakness is made strong. You're being glorified in every life. Jesus, healing is taking place, and those areas of weakness will be revealed as areas of our greatest strength and your name is being made great. God, we thank you that the shift has already happened, that it already is a new day. And we step into that newness. We step into that victory. We refuse to listen to those old voices anymore. We're going to see and believe the way that you see and believe Jesus. And we declare healing. We declare victory. We declare the fullness of God over this region. God, that this name change will be complete. God, that the light is shining in Logan and the light will consume the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. In Jesus' name we pray. Oh, come on, ladies, give Jesus a big, big shout of praise. He deserves glory. He deserves honor. He is worthy. He deserves all the praise. Come on, ladies, give him one more big, big shout of praise. Jesus is here got it covered. Amen. Thank you so much, worship team. You guys are amazing. And I will borrow that, if that's okay, that stand, not the music. I have no need for that. Ladies, why don't you take your seats, give someone a high five. Come on, give them a high five or a fist pump. That's for being awesome, right? Do you know the older I get, the more I remind myself of the dad from Modern Family. Does anyone know him, how he's kind of, he thinks he's cool, but he's not really that cool and funny. And my children remind me of that all the time, that I'm not actually as cool as I think that I am. Anyone feel my pain there? But the thing is, I kind of enjoy making them cringe. Like when I was growing up and you know your parents you're like oh dad you know when they tell the dad jokes and you're like oh dad you're such a doofus but sorry I'm just collecting various items from the front row because don't mind me but um anyway I've kind of realized I've come into the era of the dad joke except it's the mum joke which is basically similar to the dad joke just has more of an emphasis on personal hygiene and nutrition. Anyone with me? But when my kids are like, Mom, I'm like, yes. It's like the most exciting thing that happened to me all day. That's what happens beyond 40. Life gets exciting. All right. Okay. 
Well, you know, I am going to speak about identity this morning, and the title of this message is What in a Name? Does anyone know that quote from Shakespeare? Go back to year nine or year 10 in high school. What's in a name? You know, names are actually very important. They speak about our identity, and identity is the most fundamental aspect of our humanity. That question, who am I, is the fundamental human question, who am I? Why am I here? What's my value? What's my purpose? The question of identity is actually so important to people that it has been protected by the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights. The United States, sorry, the UN Declaration of Human Rights states, one of the top priorities is that every child must be given a name. It is a fundamental human right. Children cannot be born and remain unnamed. They must be given a name. Names are important. You know, the world can be a little bit flippant about names, right? We can call each other things and not really think it's a big deal. Or like Shakespeare, we can say, what is in a name anyway? A rose by any other name would smell just as sweet. Has anyone ever heard that before? Did anyone like really not enjoy Shakespeare? Or was it just me? And, you know, even when I was um, learning that from Romeo and Juliet in year nine, it never sat right with me. A rose by any other name would smell just as, as sweet. I would think about that and think, really? Like, if you called this rose festering garbage, like, would it smell just as sweet? Like, maybe it would, but we really wouldn't want to sniff it to find out, right? Like... Pastor Susie, would you like to smell my festering garbage? No. Yeah, why not? It sounds gross, right? See, names are important. They create an expectation. They establish identity. They kind of describe who we are and what we're like. They talk about who we belong to, our purpose in life. They talk about our identity. Names are important. And I kind of see where Shakespeare's going in that play, you know, if you called a, a rose by any other name, you know, would you really be changing its attributes? And while that may be true for a rose that doesn't have feelings, a rose that doesn't have a free will, it doesn't have the ability to control the way it responds to things, it just intuitively, its responses are determined. But, while, but what may be kind of true for a rose certainly is not true for people. Names are very important. See, just go with me for a second and imagine that this rose actually does have feelings, that this rose has a free will, that it can choose to control its responses and respond in different ways to different circumstances. And just say this rose all its life was called by the name Festering Garbage. If it was called unloved, if it was called rejected, I don't like you, if it was called worthless, do you think if this rose had feelings and it could choose its responses that maybe it would try to withhold the sweet, sweetness of its fragrance? Does anyone think that that could be a response the rose would have? And what if year after year it was called these names and treated badly and abused and um, called by lots of terrible names, do you think if it could control its responses that maybe it would actually try to hide its beautiful bloom? And maybe year after year of being called by terrible names and being treated in a terrible way, if it could control its responses that maybe, just maybe in order to protect itself, it might increase the number and the size of its thorns? Do you think that could be a response that this rose could have? Has its identity changed? Well, no, not truly. In reality, it's still a rose. But for all intents and purposes, the way it's now 
presenting itself to the world is more like this. It's more like a cactus, right? Without fragrance, fragrance, without a beautiful bloom and with lots of spiky thorns, those behaviors that we can develop just to protect ourselves, right? It ends up looking to the world more like a cactus than a rose. And when I was thinking about this session, I really felt God just say that this room is filled with beautiful, sweet, fragranced roses who are answering to the name cactus, who are living their lives in a way that would present themselves to the world as a cactus. But ladies, that is not who you are. Those behaviors, those self-protecting kind of behaviors, they are not who you are. Those labels that have been spoken over your life, those bad feelings of hurt that are trying to control you and distort you into their image, they are not who you are. It is simply a case of mistaken identity. You are not a cactus. Come on, ladies, you're not a cactus. You are a beautiful rose. All right. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, you are a beautiful rose. There you go. Lady on the other side, tell her, hey, I am not a cactus. No, Mel, you are not a cactus. (laughs) You know, maybe you're here today and you are feeling like identifying a little bit with this cactus, looking at your life and thinking, you know what, I am a little bit prickly, actually. I have developed a few of these behaviors. I'm maybe hiding who I really am just through hurt and different experiences in my life. You know what, I am here to tell you that God knows your name and he has brought you here for the specific purpose of meeting with you personally looking right into your eyes and saying, hey, I see you. I know who you are. I know your name. Jesus is here for one reason, to, to restore our identity and cause us to begin to answer to the right name, to allow the world to see just who we truly are. See, the most important question or the most fundamental human question is, who am I? That question of identity. But the most important question is, who is Jesus? It is impossible for us to see ourselves the right way and answer to the right name until we first understand who Christ is. And I just want to show you a picture, if the guys can put this on the screen. This is a picture of my son, Samuel, and... Oh, there he is. Look at that handsome guy. This was taken last year when he was 13 and he was getting water baptized. And the significant part of this story, and, you know, water baptism is always significant. And as a parent, this is the best moment in your child's life, seeing them make their own personal choice to follow Jesus and receive salvation and be baptized. You know, he got out of that water pool. You can kind of see the the joy in his face. And he said, Mom, that's actually my husband baptizing him. And I was just to the corner. He said, Mom, I feel so free. That's the place that God wants to get us to. And what was really significant about this time in Samuel's life was he was getting a really hard time at school. He... um, He's amazing. There's no one like my son, and he just doesn't fit the mold. So sometimes he has a little bit of trouble at school. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Maybe you have a child like that, or maybe that was your own experience. And so he was getting called lots of names. He was getting bullied and isolated. No one would play with him. They would call him loser and all of those kinds of names. Those are not my son's name, let me tell you. See, I chose his name. I am his mother. I was at his birth. He had the largest head circumference of any child born on the Christchurch Women's Hospital. It was a memorable moment. Hashtag, ouch. Come on, ladies. That's unforgettable. We called him 
Samuel because his name means asked of God. We battled for him. We fought for him. And God heard our prayer. God answered our prayer. His name means one who is asked of God, one who is heard of God, who God hears his voice. Like Samuel in the Bible, his voice will be a voice of salvation and the messages of heaven to his generation. I know who that child is. And those names, loser, those names, we don't like you, you're not fun, those are not his name. And when these punk kids started trying to call my kid by some other name, I felt this rage inside of me. I wanted to go down to the school and sort some people out. Anyone with me in that? But Samuel, my son, actually stopped me. See, the amazing thing about Sam is that he has this resilience. This bullying had been going on for quite a while before I even realized it was happening. And I didn't realize because it didn't change Sam. He remained the same upbeat, happy kid that he had always been. It didn't change who he was. And he said to me, Mom, you don't have to worry about me. I'm okay. You know, when those kids stand around me and they call me a loser, I just don't listen to them. I just choose to listen to that voice in my heart that keeps telling me that I'm awesome. And mom, if God says I'm awesome, I'm awesome. Come on, that's amazing. This kid is a rock star. And I do believe in arranged marriages. So see me later if you've got like a 12-year-old daughter or something like that. (laughs) He is incredible. See, the devil is real. He is a liar. He is a bully. And he has no creative power. He comes to each one of us in exactly the same way, like some punk kid in high school with some dumb thing to say, oh, you're a loser. How original is that? Like, seriously, get a couple of brain cells activated. Sorry, I'm not bitter. It's fine. I've forgiven them. But he comes and he whispers this stuff to us that tries to make us believe that we are not the women that God says that we are. But you know what? We don't have to listen to him. He's just a bully. He's a liar. We can choose to believe that voice in our heart that tells us that we are awesome. Just because the devil says something to us doesn't make it it true. In fact, if he is saying something to you, you know the opposite is true because that guy is a liar. If he's telling you you're worthless, then you need to know that you are worth more than anything else upon this earth. You are divine. If he's telling you you've got no purpose, my gosh, that's because he's afraid of the purpose of God in your life. Do not listen to him. But in order not to listen to the voice of the devil and instead listen to the voice of Christ and his affirmation of our identity, we first need to know what Christ's voice sounds like. Like Samuel, we need a personal relationship with him. We cannot hear Christ's voice until we know his voice. We cannot know his voice until he is living in our heart. See, my husband is from New Zealand and I'm from Australia. And we had this overseas courtship where we only spent, and this is ridiculous, but 19 days in the same country before we got married. So most of our getting to know each other time was on the phone. And we were one of those nauseating couples who were like, you hang up. No, you hang up. But I'm quite literal. So when Andrew said that, I would just hang up. And then he would call back and be like, I'm so hurt. Why did you hang up? Well, you told me to hang up. But I know his voice. After all of those long phone conversations, my brother-in-law would get on the phone. His voice sounds almost identical to my husband's. And he would like do these mock kind of try and get me to think it was Andrew. He never fooled me once because I know the voice of the man that I love. I know the voice of the man who loves me. I know the kinds of things that he says. So when my brother-in-law would get on the phone with some rascally prank call, I would say, hey, 
get off the phone. I don't want to talk to you. Put Andrew on. He couldn't fool me because I know my husband's voice. And that is what I'm talking about. Having that kind of relationship with Jesus that can only come when he's in our heart so that we can hear his voice. And when the enemy comes, we can say, hey, shut your mouth. I'm not talking to you. I don't like you and you don't love me. So get off the phone. Put Jesus back on. Thank you very much. Come on. Are you with me this morning, ladies? We're going to hang up on those, that prank call, caller right now. Enough of your voice. I'm not listening to you. It is impossible for any one of us to know who we truly are until we first know who Christ is. And some of the ladies have spoken about the incredible ministries that are being represented out there in the foyer. One of the ladies spoke about Destiny Rescue. And we have a ministry called Esther's Voice, and we work alongside ministries like Destiny Rescue or She Rescue. And we work with young women who've been rescued out of sexual slavery for the specific purpose of keeping them safe. Currently in Cambodia, more than 90% of girls who are rescued out of sexual slavery will actually return to brothels and sex work of their own free will. And the reason is this. They do not know how to answer to any other name. They don't know another voice to listen to. And it is impossible for us to let go of an old identity until a new identity has been established. People cannot be identity-less. It is fundamental to our humanity that we have an identity so until a new identity is established, we cannot let go of an old identity. Even if that old identity is sex worker, even if it is sex slave, even if it is abused, even if it is depressed, even if it hurts, even if it's damaging us and keeps us isolated, we cannot let go of an old identity until a new identity has been firmly established. And it is only our identity in Christ. It's only once we truly know who Jesus is that we're able to be then separated from this old identity and anchored into our true identity and take hold of God's plan and God's purpose for our life. Are you getting this, ladies? We need Jesus to anchor us into our purpose and to truly know who we are. Maybe you're here and you are feeling like a bit of a cactus. Maybe you look at your life and you realize that you have been responding to the wrong name and the wrong voice for too long. Well, ladies, I want to tell you that it's not too late for change, that Jesus is here. He loves you. You can trust him. He's got no other purpose but to set you free like he set my son Sammy free, the voice of the enemy does not have to change us or distort us into its image anymore, but we can truly live the life God has for us. See, it says in Jeremiah 1 and verse 5, Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were even born, I set you apart and I anointed you. Ladies, this is incredible. Before a single cell in our physical bodies existed, we existed in the heart and the imagination of God. He dreamed about us. He knew us. He loved us before we were even born. Our lives are not a coincidence. Our birth in this place at this time in history is not a coincidence. It is the purpose of God. He knows our name. He knows who we are. There has never been anyone like you. There is no one on this earth like you. Never again will there ever be anyone like you. So if we are not ourselves, then the world misses out and God misses out because he knows us. He made us for a reason. The only reason we're here is because God loves us and he could not bear a moment 
longer of not having us born. That's why you were so quickly to be rushed out of your mum's tummy or actually I was 10 days late. I just didn't want to come. But God loves us. That's the reason that we are here. You know, when those other voices tried to cause us to answer to a wrong name, maybe those symptoms tried to get us to respond to that name. When society said, well, you've got these characteristics or you were born in this place or you look like that, so this must be your name. When another identity tried to claim you, when another voice tried to take ownership over you, God said, no, that is not who my daughter is. That is not her name. He's the only one who can tell us who we really are because he's the only one who knew us before we were born, before those symptoms began to encroach on our life, before that abuse happened, before we made those mistakes, God knew us. So when that new identity tried to claim us, God said, no, heaven intervened and Jesus came. Jesus Christ, he is the name that is above every other name. He came to destroy the power of every other name that tried to claim you, every other name that tried to distort you into its image. God knows your name. Oh, come on, ladies, say this with me. God knows my name. Say it with passion. God knows my name. And Jesus is here to tell me my name. And we're going to break through here today. I can feel it in my spirit. You know, maybe you're here and you've been answering to the wrong name. Well, you are in very good company. See, you read this word of God, the Bible, from beginning to end. It is filled with people who have been answering to the wrong name. But one moment with God, one encounter with Christ shifts them into a new identity and causes them to start living and behaving in a completely different way. Does anyone know the story of Abraham and Sarah? The mother and father of a generation of of God's people, right? Generations of God's people. Before they were Abraham and Sarah. Many of you will know this story, right? They were answering to different names. Their behavior was different. Their greatest battle was infertility. They could not conceive children. They had this dream that God had given them, but their behavior or the outcoming, the outworking of their life was they were infertile. They couldn't have kids. The battle was not the behavior. The battle was not the infertility. The battle was what they believed about themselves. They were answering to the wrong name. Remember, God changed their name. They were Abram and Sarai. One moment with God, he said, no, this is who you are. You are Abraham. You are Sarah. Changed their name. What happened next? Yeah, some little baby gurgled. Good timing. Little baby Isaac were born. Name change, identity shift, completely different outcome. What about the Apostle Paul? Does anyone remember him? Give me a wave if you know his story. Okay, he is the greatest evangelist the world has ever known, the greatest advocate for the cause of Christ, delivered the message of the gospel throughout the world, wrote most of the New Testament. How many of you know his story and the way that he started out? See, he wasn't always such a great advocate for the cause of Christ, right? Before he was Saul, Paul, he was answering to a different name. He was responding to the name Saul. And his behavior, come on, it was completely different. He had his heart set on destroying the work of Christ. He murdered Christians. He completely opposed what the Spirit of God was doing on this earth. But you know, the problem was not his behavior. The problem originated from this mistaken identity. He was answering to the wrong name. One moment with Jesus on that road to Damascus. Hey, this is not who you are. This is not your name. You are Paul. 
name change, behavior change, completely different outcome. There's another guy. Maybe you've heard of him. His name is Peter, the most famous of all Christ's disciples. He was the disciple whom Jesus loved. But before he was known as Peter, he was answering to a different name and behaving in a completely different way. See, when he was Peter, he was God's unshakable rock, right? He was Peter, this great man of faith, the foundation of which my church here on earth will be built. He was great building material. But before he was behaving like this, he was answering to a different name and his behavior was more like this. Ooh, a little bit flattered, right? A little bit floppy. He was answering to the name Simon, which one of the meanings of that name is read. And it basically means someone who's not yet anchored into their true identity. Anyone feel a little bit like this? Who am I today? I don't know. What do my feelings tell me? Am I having a fat day? How many friends do I have on Facebook? How many likes did that last Instagram post get? Anyone know what I'm talking about? Who am I? Not yet secure in his identity and his purpose. But do you know the moment that Simon meets Jesus, Jesus tells him who he really is. This is a scripture from the book of John. I think it's John chapter 1 and verse 42, if we can have that up. Sorry. Oh, yeah, it is John 1, 42. So Jesus looks at Simon and he says, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter, and another translation is rock. See, the moment that Jesus meets Simon, he looks intently at him. He doesn't look over him. He doesn't overlook, he doesn't overlook him. He doesn't look down on him. He doesn't look through him. He looks intently at him. He says, I see you. I see the name that you've been responding to. But I want to tell you right from this first encounter, that behavior, that name is not who you are. Who you really are is this. You are Peter you are a rock. You know, Simon did not have a name change immediately. If you continue reading the scriptures, it says that he continued answering to the name Simon. He still acted in that kind of, I don't know, self-doubting, insecure kind of way. Nothing happened for him until he was actually in a storm. And I was wondering about this. You know, you'd think a personal encounter with, with Christ where he tells us who we are should be enough, right? But it wasn't. You know, for so many of us, it actually isn't. First of all, I think that Peter at that time, Simon, didn't know who Jesus really was. He didn't have a true revelation of who Christ was in that moment. But also, I think that like so many of us, he was looking for an affirmation of his new identity from other people. You know, when you're waiting for that prophetic word in front of the whole church so they can all see what God says about you. Do you know what I mean? I'll change my behavior when other people change the way that they respond to me or when they change the way they treat me. But what I've come to realize is that what other people say and believe about us, well, it is nowhere near as important as what we believe about ourselves. Whose voice are you listening to? Whose voice are you allowing to determine your behavior? From the moment that we meet Jesus, he begins to tell us who we really are. The moment we stepped through those doors and received those beautiful gifts that Pastor Susie and the team prepared for us. The moment we step into Christ's presence and encounter him through the worship, he's telling us, this is who you are. This is what you're worth. This is what I think about you. This is what your future can look like. But so often we just don't engage with it because we're waiting just for something else, someone else to affirm us. Nothing changed for Simon until he was in a storm. Is anyone familiar with this story where the disciples are out on, the, on a boat in the ocean? They're in a storm. 
and the wind and the waves, they are so fierce and so ferocious that actually the boat begins to be torn into. That's a pretty fierce storm, right? You know, storms can come to us in different formats, in different fashions. And I know that there are women here and you are right in the center of a storm, a storm in your marriage, just living with strife in your household and violent, maybe it's just verbal violence that's been going on for such a long time, you just don't know what to do anymore. Other people here, that storm is in your financial world. You're just not sure how you're going to pull it all together and make things meet. Maybe the storm is in your um, physical body and, and these symptoms and this identity of sickness and this diagnosis that's been declared over your life. Maybe it's in the brokenness of your heart and the depression and the darkness and the despair that's trying to claim you. What does your storm look like? You know, Jesus was right there in the middle of that storm, casually walking on the water, completely unfazed by the circumstances of the disciples, unfreaked out by the magnitude of the storm. You know, Jesus is not afraid of your circumstances. He's not afraid of the messiness of our lives and our conditions. He's calm, he's casual, because he's looking at us and he always sees our present moment from the perspective of his end. And every end with Jesus, if we will just keep our eyes on him, is victory, it is freedom, it is healing, it is restoration. See, the most important question or fundamental human question is, who am I? And right in that moment, Simon was having an identity crisis. He's in the middle of the ocean on a boat. He's a fisherman. He should have been in his happy place. This is his comfortable place. But now everything's falling apart. This identity of who he was is being shaken. The power of it. And he's thinking, who am I? Maybe in the midst of your storm, the violence of this moment, you're thinking, Jesus, why are you allowing this? Why are you letting this happen? You know, that power that feels like it's going to destroy you right now, if we will just keep our eyes on Jesus, it's actually the force that's going to shift us into a new way of thinking if we will just hold on and keep looking. Because the most fundamental human question may be, who am I? But the most important question is, who is Christ? Look at him now. Look out of that storm and now ask yourself, yeah, but who is Jesus? Because he's coming to you, walking on the water. The disciples think it's a ghost, but not Simon Peter. And if I can have someone on keys come back, that would be really great. See, something's beginning to shift finally for Simon Peter. In the midst of that storm, he's looking out and he's seeing this man walking upon the water, unfazed by the circumstances of the storm. Something begins to shift. His eyes are opened. He takes his eyes off himself and his problem for a moment and he begins to recognize, who is Jesus? Who is Christ? See, I'm feeling so insecure and so afraid right now, but Jesus, I see you out there on the water. I see you. You're the perfect love that casts out my fear. I'm not giving in to fear. Jesus, I see you. Not, I'm not answering to that name anymore. You know, I feel so afraid about my past. Jesus, if you knew what I'd done. Jesus, if you knew who I was, that voice of guilt and condemnation. But Jesus, I see you. You are the grace that covers my shame. I'm not answering to that voice of guilt anymore. I will not bow down to the voice of shame. Oh, Jesus, you don't know what's happened to me. Jesus, you don't know how bad I am, but Jesus, I see you. You are the forgiveness that takes away my guilt, that sets me free from the power of my past. I'm not answering to the past anymore. Jesus, I see you. Oh, but I'm in so much pain. These symptoms are taking my body and God, I just don't know what to do, but Jesus, I see you. You are the healer that takes away my pain, that breaks the power of my sickness. Jesus, I see you. 
See, the most important question is who is Christ? Because once we know who Jesus truly is and what he's done for us, friends, it transforms who we are forever. When you look out of that storm, who do you see? He's the answer to every problem. He's the love that casts out all of that fear, all of that worry, all that anxiety. If we will just see him, that pain in our heart, that darkness that feels like it's going to overcome us. He is the light that consumes that darkness, friends. Keep your eye on him. See, Jesus says to Simon Peter, get out of the boat and join me on this water. Well, that's quite something, right? That's a bit of a party trick, water, walking on water. Sounds like a lot of fun. Does anyone think that sounds like fun, walking on water? A few of us, okay. Only problem with that is it's impossible to walk on water, right? Is it the same here in Queensland as New South Wales or is water walking a sport up here or something? The laws of physics are the same, right? It is physically impossible for a human being to walk on water. No one has ever done it before. The single precedent for water walking was Christ right there in that moment. Never happened before. The disciples aren't seeing it. It's only Simon Peter. He's got a choice. Whose voice will he listen to? Will he wait for somebody else on the boat to come with him or to affirm him? Will he listen to the voice of impossibility? Or will he listen to that voice of Jesus Christ and take that step into becoming who Jesus says that he is? You know, I was in a storm about 17 years ago. I mentioned last night I battled with depression for a number of years. I was medicated for depression. Eventually, I was admitted to a psychiatric hospital in Christchurch, New Zealand. And there were just things I was battling, controlling behaviors. And I was told that I couldn't be cured. In the first assessment from the psychiatrist, she said to me, Janine, you need to understand from the outset, we can keep you medicated. We can help you learn to manage some of your symptoms, but we cannot cure you. You are going to have to learn to live with that darkness. And you know, in that moment, in the midst of that storm, there was another voice And it wasn't loud and fierce like the loud, fierce voices of guilt and shame and condemnation or even the voices that science had or psychiatry had declared over me. It was just this gentle, calm voice, the voice of Christ. And he said to me, Janine, you've tried everything else. Will you listen to me? One moment changed everything. Only problem is, It was impossible. What Jesus was saying to me had immediately, just moments before, been told, I'd been told that is impossible. It's impossible for you to be free. Whose voice would I believe? Peter's on the boat. There's a storm, the waves, the voices. He makes a choice. He steps out of the boat. Come on, ladies, we know this story. He is Simon, that flippy, floppy, read no more. He is now Peter, Christ's unsinkable rock. He does what is humanly impossible, what nobody else has done in the history of the world. Just him and Jesus, he walks on the water. Even when he starts to go back to that old identity, remember he doubts and begins to sink. Christ is right there with him, lifts him up, helps him back into the boat. He says, hey, why did you doubt Peter? He corrects the behavior, corrects the belief system, but he does not change his name. He's shifted into a new identity. His behavior has changed. For me, in that moment, in the psychiatrist's office all those years ago, I had a choice. Would I listen to that voice of impossible or would I listen to the voice of Jesus? You know, every day I just kept listening to what Jesus said. Didn't like straight away, I didn't suddenly become the most sanguine person in the room. I'm not a sanguine. Like I didn't, I'm more of an introvert. Introvert. I still am myself, but I'm just listening to a different voice. The Spirit of God and, and Jesus, they continually correct my behavior. Hey, that is not who you are, remember? You don't need to isolate yourself. You don't need these protective behaviors anymore. 
There we go. That was the Lord. (laughs) Day after day, just, you know what? This is who I am. Jesus, I'm listening to your voice. 17 years later, I'm walking on water. 17 years later, I haven't been on medication for depression for 17 years. I haven't been in psychiatric care for 17 years. I am doing what psychiatrists said was impossible for me. Nothing's impossible with Jesus. Those behaviors, ladies, that, gosh, we feel so ashamed about, we beat ourselves up about them, they are not the issue. Do you know the real issue is simply we've been listening to the wrong voice. We've been answering to the wrong name. The devil is a liar. He is a bully. He's also defeated and under our feet. Come on, in Jesus' name, we get to stomp on his head. It is over. Now is the time to say enough is enough. That is not who I am. Those feelings, not who I am. I'm not listening to you. I'm not responding to you. Those behaviors, not listening, not responding. Jesus, I choose to listen to you. Ladies, stand to your feet. You know, maybe you're here and the word impossible has been declared over your life or your circumstance. Maybe the word no cure has been declared over your situation. Or maybe you're here and you've just battled with something for such a long time, it's become impossible to you to, that your life could ever look any other way. If that is you, I just want you to raise your hands, right? Where you're seated, just lift them high. And I'm just going to pray if I can get untangled. God, I thank you right now. Come on, lift them nice and high for every woman here with their hands raised. God, I thank you that there is a voice higher than the voice of impossible. There is a voice that carries more authority than the voice of any diagnosis, of any doctor, of any declaration. God, I thank you that there is a voice that carries more authority than the voice of guilt and the voice of shame. God, I thank you that there is a power that is greater than the the power of pain, and it is the power of Jesus Christ. And Jesus, I thank you that you are in the midst of every storm. You know the detail of every life and you are calmly standing in the midst of that storm, looking eye to eye with your precious girl saying, sweetheart, it's not impossible. I'm right here. I've got the answer. Will you trust me? Don't wait for other people. Don't wait for science to catch up with what my word is saying. Don't wait for society to catch up with what I declare about you. Your future does not look like your past. That is not who you are. Get out of the boat. What is impossible on your own, it is possible with me. That's the only contingent thing. Just with me. It's got to be with me. Ladies, we cannot know who we are until we first know who Christ is. So right now, if Christ is not number one in your heart, I just want you to raise your hand extra high. See those hands? I'm just going to quickly pray. God, I pray for these women who you know who they are. And Lord, I thank you for salvation. Right now, I want you to pray after me. Jesus, come into my heart. Come on, let's say it with passion. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me. Set me free from the power of my past. Jesus, I want to hear your voice. I rebuke the devil. I rebuke his voice. Get out of my head. Get out of my thinking. Get out of my life. I'm hanging up the phone. I refuse to listen to you. Get out of my life in Jesus' name. I am not a cactus. I'm not a flipping cactus. I am a rose. God, 
God, I thank you right now for your power at work. I thank you that the door of the enemy is closed. Right now, he has no foothold, no legal right in any life. God, I rebuke generational curses in the name of Jesus Christ. I rebuke the power of shame, that voice of condemnation. I command them right now to shift off women's lives. Right now, Jesus, you are telling these women who they really are. Beautiful, loved, desired, wanted, priceless in their value. If you are here and there is a diagnosis of impossibility over your life, whether it is a sickness or it could be an emotional thing that you've battled, a life-controlling behavior, I just want you quickly just to come to the front. And I'm just going to pray with you. Just going to lay my hand upon you. And I'm going to pray. We are going to believe together, ladies, that what is not possible with people, with Christ, is completely possible. If you are remaining in your seat, I'd love you just to stretch out your hand to these women. You're here at the front. Why don't you just lift your hands to God? You know, healing is a gift. We don't have to feel like we deserve it. We don't have to understand it. It's like at Christmas time. Someone gives you a gift, you just receive it and you just say thank you. So right now in your heart, just say, Jesus, thank you for healing me. Jesus, thank you for setting me free. That's all you need to do. Lord, I thank you right now that every symptom is shifting off these lives. I rebuke sickness and infirmity in Jesus' name. God, I rebuke the power of the spoken word and all of those doctors' reports of impossibility. And God, I declare the victory of Jesus Christ, the power of his name over every life. And I speak the purpose of God into this precious life. God is turning on the lights. Thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you right now for your healing power released. Let it flow into the lives of these beautiful ones. Thank you, Jesus. Anointing from heaven flowing in and through your beautiful daughter. Thank you, God, that there's no more symptoms. Lord, I thank you right now the power of God. Thank you, Jesus. God, before you formed them in their mother's womb, you knew them. Before they were even born, you set them apart. You know the plan that you have for them. It's a plan for good, not for evil. You came to give them a future and a hope. And it's that plan and that's purpose we are speaking life into in Jesus' name. God, I declare life and restoration in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Just step forward. Thank you, Lord, that it is, it is a new day, that this woman has stepped away from her past and she stepped with great authority and victory into the future Christ has for her. Lord, I thank you right now for your healing power. Thank you, Lord, that this great woman, so loved of you, Lord, her own testimony of healing will activate faith in the hearts of other people. Lord, it will resound. It will go further than she can even imagine. Lord, I thank you that you have anointed her to lay her hands upon the sick and see them recover. I thank you that you've anointed her voice to be a voice of faith, a voice that activates light. God, I thank you for hope rising up in her own spirit and a declaration of victory that's bringing forth out of her soul flowing through her mouth. God, she cannot confess anything other than the victory that of Christ at work in her life. And God, I thank you for this incredible woman. Lord, I thank you for her anointing to gather and teach women. God, I thank you that she will not be limited in any way. God, I thank you that you have the authority to number her days. Sickness has not numbered her days. And God, that this gorgeous woman will live every one of the days you set for her with vibrancy, with life, in full strength and without any limitation. I rebuke sickness and infirmity. I command every symptom to shift off her body right now in Jesus' name. Come on, ladies, let's give Jesus a big, big shout of praise. He's amazing. Thank you, Pastor Janine. What a beautiful message. What, a, what an encouragement. We are at morning tea time now. Um, beautiful fragrant roses. We have um, set up a beautiful morning tea in the small auditorium next door.